welcome to this episode of the Becoming a Fulfillionaire show. Today's guest is a very special, wonderful person. Her name is Chloe, and I, I always pronounce your name to other people as Banyalis. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, it's got the Enya on there. It's not showing up here, but it is Banyalis. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Chloe is like every ethnicity and nationality you could imagine. And I learned that today. It's Mexican, Korean, Chinese, and Hawaiian, at least at minimum. But she said she's also 0.1% Jewish. So I'm sure we've got lots <laughs> of other mixtures in there. Very interesting. So if you're watching this on video and you're wondering, whoa, this woman is beautiful. What is she? Well, now you've got your answer. She's everything. So <laughs> let's get into the show. For people that don't know you, it does say Dr. Chloe Banyalas on here. What are you a doctor of? That's a great question. So I'm a doctor in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So my background is in Chinese medicine. My bachelor's kind of catalyzed this journey, starting with kinesiology. That's where we've had a lot of conversations. I remember jamming about our vivos, walking in Santa Monica and all those kind of things. So I really got interested in the field of Chinese medicine, the system, medical system of Chinese medicine, because of their emphasis of the mind body connection. And you do, at least you used to do something called esoteric acupuncture. This is correct. Yep. What is that? Yeah. So esoteric acupuncture was founded by Dr. Mikio Sanke. He's actually in the LA area, wonderful teacher, pioneer when it comes to this specific system of acupuncture. So essentially he's studying not only Chinese medicine, he also incorporated theories, philosophies, and practices from chakra systems, from the Kabbalah, and sacred geometry. So do you remember those like middle school locks where you turn it like left so many times and then right and then left? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So esoteric acupuncture incorporates a specific series of points in a specific order to create a specific effect, essentially creating a grid on and around the person to elicit a specific result. He describes it as puncturing the spiritual body of the person so that you could calibrate and find your missing puzzle piece in life. Essentially, how can we connect you deeper to you? Does that make sense? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Big can of worms we're going <laughs> to open up now. What? Hmm. Okay. So you're saying it's connecting people deeper to themselves what disconnects us from ourselves? How does that happen? How does it get to the point where we need to be reconnected to ourselves? Big question, right? So I love that right before this, we were talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza. One of those books that might be a great way to give him like tangible example to what might cause us to fall asleep, right? What causes us to fall asleep is the monotony or the day-to-day, -day, the rat race, as some people call it, where we are waking up, we're doing the same thing over again. We're kind of disconnected to what one might say is their purpose, what one might say is their vision, their mission kind of thing, what fulfills them at a visceral, intangible kind of level. It's the gas pedal to their life kind of thing. So as far as like what disconnects us, it could be different for each person, Maybe it's a single event, and it also might be a series of events where all of a sudden it's all of a sudden, and we are all like just in this almost 
the first word that comes up is this matrix. And if you've seen the movie, the matrix, it's that same idea where it's that disconnection from purpose, from ourselves, from essentially the nature within us, what brings us alive. I feel like that was a little bit of a tangent, but does that answer your question? Yeah. And provides me a lot deeper, deeper rabbit holes in the sky to go up into. So mm. when it comes to, so you described just now, like as we connect deeper into our spiritual selves, right? That there are certain passions that are almost inexplicable that we're drawn to. What is, how do we separate um, what we're desiring from like a normal human perspective, like our shoulds? from those things? Like, how can we tell those differences? That's a great question. So one thing to emphasize here is that one way might not be the one way for everyone. So it depends. It totally depends on maybe where someone is at. Where is your baseline right now? Sure, we could say like, I need you to sit down and meditate for an hour a day so you can begin to hear the thoughts within you and separate yourself from the thoughts, noticing that you are actually the observer. And there are some times where that's not going to be the most accessible route, where it might be during the drive, during that shower, where you're finally in a space of, you know, losing track of time and space. And then all of a sudden you get reconnected to that. It might be for some people movement. For me, I love lifting heavy weights. I appreciate a long walk. Um, movement can be also a way to drop back into your body to reconnect with yourself versus get lost in the outside world. Time in nature is a big part of that. And also conversations with a good friend, someone you trust, someone who can reflect back maybe anything that you're speaking to in a way that allows you to hear what you're actually saying. So a few different ways. So from context of your own life, how has this shown up for you over the years? So if we, if I bring you way back, let's call <laughs> it like 12. Mm-hmm. So we start at 12 years old, Chloe. What is 12 years old Chloe getting into? And if you could take your mindset from today to look at 12 year old Chloe, what was she really interested in? That was sort of a hint at what her future would become as far as you know, so far. As far as I know so far. So 12 year old Chloe, I think back to where I was, it was I think that's like freshman year, right? Is that freshman year, maybe middle school? Anyhow, the first thing that does come up is a desire to know why happy people were happy. I am very grateful to have grown up with a really awesome childhood. And there was always this, there was often, I would say, there was often this idea, this thought pattern of, how is that person over there so happy, so content, so embodied with a sense of who they are? I feel like my journey of like, who am I was a constant and consistent question, not from a place of curiosity all the time, but more so from a place of why am I not accessing the state of joy as much of the time as I could? Or for as long as others seem to experience this sense of joy, fulfillment, etc. So this was an underlying theme that I've noticed as I have taken some time to reflect back, which has now bring us into 2022. 
This is really the root of what I love studying, what I love getting into, and what I love sharing with my clients, where with neuro-linguistic programming, also known as NLP, it's actually based on modeling. Modeling how certain people get results, how excellence is created over and over again. So it offers frameworks or models to create a reputable or a repetitive guarantee. Repetitive. Yeah, there we go. I'm like tongue twister right there. So with that, it's been phenomenal because applying that, for example, to health, to wellness, anything related to the body, um, even mental performance, we could say, how do how does this person heal and how can we learn from that? How can we model what they did, how they were thinking, how they showed up in a different state to create these kind of results? Kind of like how Dr. Joe Dispenza, he was able to have his own personal story, create a framework, and then teach that to others. And then others are able to model that. So essentially, it's really asking that question, who am I? And then maybe who can I model to get those desired result, results, achieve those results, and also become that result. So are you saying that's what you help people do now is you help them figure out who or what could be the model, and then you you kind of get them on the path? It's definitely a part of what I strive to do. So when it comes to my intention with working with clients, it really is being able to provide them with resources, with referrals, with a space where they can reconnect the strength of their mind to the wisdom of their bodies. Because as you know, and I imagine the conversation has been present in these episodes, it's the body is always talking to us. It's a matter of, are we willing to take the time to listen and also to get into that rapport with our bodies? Like, oh, this is what you mean when you do this kind of thing, Mm. or this is my needs now. And continuing to have that conversation with ourselves so we have we are so so powerful as these very like yes like fragile human beings but also fucking powerful human beings as well so i think it's a really cool duality and to embody both is a can be a really fun adventure of life what's what's like your number one like recommended at home practice for Let's just start with saying like listening to the body. Number one at home practice, if it's accessible anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes for yourself, that might mean by yourself or it could mean also with a journal. It could mean with a audiobook. maybe that like playlist that just lights you up in a way that causes a ripple effect for the rest of the day. If you have 15 to 30 minutes to totally change the trajectory of the rest of the day, it can absolutely make a difference. Okay. So on this metaphorical playlist that likely exists on your Spotify, <laughs> what what's like the song that gets you like turned? Turned with a T at the end. Where it's like completely changes your frequency no matter where you're at. Right now, it's going to be anything from Queen Irby or the song Drip by Lizzie Jeff has been a nice, nice and really fun one to listen to. Drip by Lizzie Jeff. Yeah. Let me know when you jam out to that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do it right after this interview. I hope everybody listening can go do that right now and see what's going on. Okay. So 
to, to kind of take us back for a second. So what I heard you say, correct me if I'm wrong, is that mm -hmm. you were a pretty emo high school kid. Mm -hmm. So we go through phases, right? And it's fun to have all these reiterations, reinventions in our continued evolution. So email for sure. Journaling was a way for me to get a lot of my thoughts out on paper. And I also had a nice little ceremony. I don't know how many years ago of like letting go of those journals because it was a lot of, a lot of feels, <laughs> a lot of feels and totally went through the, Oh, do you remember like good Charlotte? Avril oh, yeah. I had the tie and the checkered belt and I actually found my chain wallet and I haven't given up up yet because I'm like, oh, it's cute. Like, I still like this. <laughs> I won't wear it, but it's cute. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I actually went to Warped Tour, if you're familiar. Yes, I wasn't allowed to go. Concerts were scary for my parents. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then you mentioned that you, you had that ritual to burn all of those or not burn, but let get rid of all of those old journals. Talk to me about that. Like, how did that come up and why did that come up? And what was that process like for you? I had a lot of questions about that. Yeah. So in total transparency, that specific ritual for those specific journals was nothing fancy or out of the, we'll say ordinary. It was more so like the, in the process of, I think I was moving to a new location. I moved to different like six different homes when I was living in Pacific Beach a few years ago, quite a few years ago. And it was a simple like, whoa, I'm not going to revisit these stories because I have a lot of gratitude for where I was at the time and I'm not going to revisit these stories. And that's, you know, could be metaphorical in, in and of itself and into the uh, trash dumpster they went. So that one wasn't too fluffy, beautiful, too intentional in that way specifically. However, what's really cool is that this upcoming Sunday, it's, I'll say Saturday and Sunday, I'll be doing a nice little ritual of release and creating space for what's to come. Like we chatted about a little bit before this recording started, there's been a lot of iterations, new reinventions and evolutions for myself personally, and I would say professionally in the last, especially two years, and especially in the last nine months or so. So with that, it's going to be a honoring of what has been because it was exactly what I needed to get to where I am today. That's going to look like some journaling, some gratitude journaling, and also some like, hey, I'm ready to surrender this. I'm ready to release this so I could create space for the new. And there'll be a little bit of like burning the, like in a very safe environment and burning the paper to watch it let go, watch it release, to disintegrate and change into something new, just like the energy will do. And with that, I'm also going to be cutting at least... Um, probably about like six to eight inches off of my hair as well. And what's fascinating is that in Chinese medicine, our hair is representative of our liver blood and our kidney chi. Our kidney chi is going to be related to our essence. It's really related to our, our drive that is both tangible and that kind of like we talked about, that's almost spiritual gas pedal that keeps us going. So it's releasing... We'll say if our hair grows anywhere from half an inch to an inch every month, 
it's releasing about six to seven months of the last uh, <laughs> last few lessons or so. So does this does this somehow I've never even considered this, but does this somehow relate to why monks like shave their head? And like nuns? You know, that's a good question to ask a monk. You need to have one on now. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll get I'll get Gaylung to come on, Gaylung to obtain, and I'll ask him those <laughs> questions. But maybe that's and maybe it's not like consciously per se, but maybe that's just a knowingness that spiritual mm. people have. And so for a couple years there, I was shaving my head completely, like just that was like the regular feel? thing. Oh, it was amazing. The first time was a little <laughs> scary, but you wake up every day and you look the exact same no matter what. Mm. so you never have to like think about like do i look crazy right now <laughs> right because like my hair in particular like i can make it this is not long but you know it can do some <laughs> crazy stuff real and the longer it gets it like jew froze so it can really it can really get interesting mm -hmm. okay so i've got like a series of questions i want to bring it back to the liver kidney all that stuff after mm -hmm. We talk about, okay, so you were the emo girl in high school. I had lots of friends that were the emo girl because I went to Warp Tour and all that. Nice. What did the evolution, how did you become, uh, what was the next step? So you were the emo girl in high school and eventually you're going to become this Dr. Chloe Banyalis and doing all this esoteric acupuncture and all this like beautiful guidance for people and rituals to like let space in to become a new, more beautiful person. Like what was right after that? Like how did you, mm -hmm. where did this path begin for you? Right after that was high school. So we could go in chunks, I guess, high level chunks. High school was a fun time where I got to be athlete. I got to be athlete and I went to a school where I was the third graduating class. So it was a fun opportunity to also be a part of something new. I had the privilege of collaborating with a couple of my girlfriends at the time, finding some coaches and starting the girls lacrosse team back in the day. I, we had a desire to play lacrosse and there was no girls team yet. So we found a couple of coaches who were willing to lead us and we started Otay Ranch's, Otay Ranch High School's girls lacrosse team. So that was super cool. We set up games. We didn't have a league yet technically because there weren't enough teams, girls teams in the district. And so it was so humbling where afterwards, when I was a student at SDSU, I actually got to come back as a coach. I got to come back as a coach for the girls lacrosse team. And that was my, I would say my first official experience as a quote unquote coach, where I got the opportunity to help these girls find fun and joy in an activity that gave so much of that for my experience of high school, where it was, I wanted to coach JV because it was going to be more so about the game versus like the championship and all the winning kind of stuff. So it was really about the joy. I got to go from SDSU to, we'll say an important part of SDSU was um, learning about the different ways that I still was asking myself that question, why are happy people happy? And there was that sense of separation still between what I felt like would be embodied joy for myself and a sense of purpose where at the end of every semester in my last year of school, so for at least like 
three, two to three semesters, I would have this like breakdown, essentially almost like a panic attack of like, oh my gosh, I'm choosing my next semester classes. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Kinesiology is such a broad degree. There's no direction. Do I want to be a physical therapist? Do I want to be an athletic trainer? Do I open a gym? What do I do? And so it was this like literal breakdown into tears after every semester. So that was my obsession of like, what do I do? What's my purpose? And like, (laughs) what's next kind of thing. So all of a sudden it's graduation from San Diego State. And I actually decided to go the physical therapy route. Um, I think we chatted about this before and was able to find a really cool job where I got to be a physical therapist assistant. And again, shortly after that, had actually a pretty big spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical breakdown that manifested as an anxiety attack. And so this is where the universe was like, chill the fuck out. Like, <laughs> pause. Because at the time, I was so, so, it was the dark side of ambition. We'll put it that way. It was the dark side of ambition. I was attempting to start a company. I was working as a server in um, the busy downtown area of San Diego. And I was also coaching at the time as well, the JV Girls Lacrosse team. So my schedule was packed. And my mantra at the time was, I'll sleep when I'm dead, except... That kind of almost happened because you cannot survive on two hours of sleep. I tried. Please take my word for it. Seriously. Because it really worked until it didn't. So what I learned later is that from, you know, studying and everything like that is our body can actually survive without food and water longer than it can without sleep. And so I got a firsthand experience of that waking up in the, in the hospital with an IV in my arm full of electrolytes. And a, they revoked my license and sent me to the psychiatrist, where then I got to have the experience of a medication to help me sleep again. The power of the mind, right? I had trained my body for adapting to being able to function, quote unquote, on two to three hours of sleep. So when I tried to go back to sleep, it just wasn't working, like physically going back to sleep. I had been so wired. Some might say this is, um, I would describe it as almost like an adrenal fatigue or HPA access dysfunction. And so what was so great is that the medication was able to help me fall asleep again. So I was finally resting during this time. It was about two to four weeks of this. And then once I began to come to, I noticed that I wasn't really feeling like myself during my waking hours. I stopped wanting to go to the gym. I stopped wanting to walk around the bay. I like was so disconnected and out of body almost so much up in here. Again, asking that question, like, how the hell do I get happy? Like get happy. And Mm. then I found an acupuncturist. I found an acupuncturist and my Why, why did acupuncture come up? Acupuncture came up because I have a really, I have amazing parents and they also know that I'm the kind of person who, when you say, Hey, watch out 10 feet ahead of you, there's a wall you're wanting, you're going to want to go around it. I'm going to be like, okay, cool. But I have to find out for myself and like almost run against the wall and like hit it to let me know that there's a wall there. 
So they were super supportive and like really were sounding boards for me during this time. And I was informed that my clinical depression was a brain chemistry issue. So I was under the understanding that the prescription would be helpful. So I was aware of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, but I thought that the solution, which was going to be through balancing the chemistry, would be helpful in this way. So once I was able to sleep and maybe do some more digging, then I I forget exactly how it came up, but then the conversation with my mom came up related to like, why don't you just try it? Like, you've tried the other route. Now you can try something else too. I was like, okay, that sounds great. And so we found an acupuncturist. The first session on his table, I fell into the most deep sleep that I have. <laughs> it felt like four to five hours of sleep, but it was actually, I think, an hour total. I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, it's just needles. And he also in his intake process was so intuitive, the way that he was able to read me by reading my body and asking specific questions about like, oh, do you like, do you have this innate need to like work out? Um, I remember was one of the questions and uh, I was like, how does he know this? Why is he looking at my tongue kind of thing? And after a series of one or two treatments a week over a course of two to three months, I actually weaned off of the medication, started to work out again in a way that fulfilled me and where I felt like I was having a little bit of fun again for the first time in a long time. And after I was finding that connection again, I started to ask him, how did you get to do what you do? What's it like to go to acupuncture school? And I'll always remember because I ended up studying under him later, he mentioned that it's a great profession. It's something that he loves to do. It's not an easy job per se or an easy route and it's worth it. So that was something that really stuck with me. And I ended up trying a semester after, after quite a bit, I think after a few months, because I don't know if this has happened to you where you kind of get the answer, but then you want to try something else before going directly to the answer. So I tried, I got a, like nine to five inside sales job and kind of got disconnected again, went to, went back to sleep. And after three, I would say like three weeks of like crying to my then boyfriend at the time, like, oh my God, what's my purpose again? <laughs> what am I going to do again? This is not what I meant to do. He's like, just apply for school. What could it hurt? And so I did. And then all of a sudden it was a semester later and then a year later. And then <laughs> after four years on the last day of my master's program, decided to apply for the doctorate program. So that added a couple more years and uh, it was phenomenal. I'm definitely not the same person as I was wearing those pink and black ties and chain wallets or even the same person from San Diego State where I have so much love for those versions of me, whether it was the like full on, like I definitely got the college experience kind of thing or the like nine to five or where I got a taste of that and I got to see like, okay, cool. What's, what's next if this isn't it, what is next? So looking back at when you first went to that acupuncturist and you immediately had a profound experience 
what is happening when someone is high level at that work? Can you explain now with your knowledge what he was able to do back then and why he asked the questions that he asked and kind of, I, I have many questions. Like that's one is like just on a, on like a high level view of like, what did he do? And then getting kind of technical if you can, because even I don't really understand acupuncture. I understand like the essentials of like the physiology, but like what they're actually doing and why it's amazing is really inexplicable. So I would love to get that answer and kind of breaking down his intake process and why he would ask the questions the way he did and what you do mm -hmm. now and what you, how that's evolved. And I would like to know, let's start, let's start there and then I'll, I'll go deeper. Okay. So a cool way to do this could be through the general or the almost like average acupuncture experience. So what one might experience when they go see an acupuncturist and each person is different. For example, I'm going to be specializing more so in esoteric acupuncture. I have a colleague who more so specializes in fertility or someone who specializes in orthopedics, whereas it might be like knees, back, etc. So in a general, like very high level view, when you walk in, your acupuncturist is going to notice maybe how you are holding your body. They're going to be looking at your posture, maybe your shen, which is another word that could describe your spirit. And um, this would be the spirit, the like lightness that someone has. So we'll be checking out you as a whole person. This is going to tell us a lot of information because we have meridians or channels that run all around, across, and through our bodies. So if any part of those are compromised, for example, if someone's like sitting in their chair and they're talking to the acupuncturist and they're more hunched over like this, one might say that their lung channel that's running here is a little bit more constricted. It's more, it's not in its most optimal kind of flow. So their voice is going to be a little bit lower. We're also listening. What's the tone of their voice? Is it singing? Is it like short? Is it very like fast? That's going to give us some mm. more information as well. Wow. Wow. I got a, <laughs> I got a lot of tangents here. Yeah. So when you say the lung channel and you, and you visualize this, right? I'm visualizing mm -hmm. the electrical channel, correct? Like the frequency or the vibration of like how our body moves energy, right? And, and that energy is measurable. The energy is electrical, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, and to my knowledge, that's why the acupuncture needles are mm -hmm. made of various metals. Yeah. Various metals. And because metal is conductive, right? Metals are conductive and we are electrical beings. And something that could be cool to insert here is that there are three ways to work with energy. So one way is going to be with tools, with tools, whether they are crystals, whether they are acupuncture needles, whether they are, what else is out there? Um, lasers or um sound therapies etc that kind of thing with tools right so that's one way to move the energy the other way is going to be hands-on you might see some hands-on healers i'll use my hands as a way to um i would say stimulate acupuncture points to move some of the energy without needles i've treated two month year old little babies in a way that maybe needles aren't the best thing and i'll use magnets or i'll use my hands and then there's going to be the third way, which is with your mind. So this is the Jedi shit kind of stuff. This is where the Qigong masters, the Zen masters, the 
um, there's a lineage Huna where they're, they can use their mind to move the energy in a room um, around the person. Not to say that the person would be so moved without like permission, but it's a matter of how is someone working with energy, with tools, hands-on, or with their mind kind of thing. And so, then just for clarity, yeah. what does it feel like to have mm -hmm. energy moved? Um, and let's just say, for instance, like with hands-on, because that's the most relatable, I feel like, to people that maybe haven't experienced it. Yeah. For most people, it might feel like a change in temperature. It might feel like a change in temperature. For some people, it might feel a little bit more electrical, like a zing. I have an example of there's a point on our shin that's directly related to treating frozen shoulder. And you're like, wait, it's on my shin. How is that going to treat my shoulder? So there are theories of how the meridians work the way they do. The points work the way they do due to embryology. So if you can imagine, we all started a little bit different than how we show up today. And it's one of the, it's probably the reason how everything is connected. There is no isolating healing within or around the body. When someone is addressing their gut health, they're also going to be addressing their brain health and their mental health as well. When we're addressing the foot, we're also going to be addressing anything that the foot is connected to. From my Chinese mm -hmm. medicine perspective, I'm thinking about the meridians that are there in the foot. And a reflexologist is going to think about all the different organ systems that are represented during or at different parts of the foot. So the body is infinitely intelligent. And truly, what was the saying? Instead of a rabbit hole to go into, it, you can spiral up into so many different ways. So, so then if we go back and we look at that original session that you had where you like dropped into this beautiful mm -hmm. restorative deep sleep almost immediately, what, what did he find in you if he ever told you, or if you look back on that, that like, so you're saying like someone's lung channel, I, I want to get into all of these nerdy things, but like, what did he find in you? So that we have like a concrete example to sort of look at and say, Chloe wasn't able to fully be in this restorative place um, because certain energy channels were not um, moving energy in the way they, they could. Yeah, so some of the questions he asked me were related to my sleep, my stress levels, um, even where I was in my cycle as a woman, um, what my appetite was like, did I have a sense of thirst or not? So we call these different questions. There's more of them as well. This, a series of 10 different questions. He looked at my tongue to get a better sense of what was going on internally. If you can imagine, the tongue is one of the, I think the only muscle that we could see outside in the body. So it gives us a good representation of what is going on inside. The code is going to tell us a little bit more about our microbiome. The edges are going to tell us a little bit more about the status of our liver and gallbladder, which is also going to inform us about, hey, how are our emotions? In addition to looking at the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tongue is related to our 
heart. So this is, yes, our heart. And also think about our heart from a mental and emotional perspective. If someone is listening to this and they're in a safe space versus like driving or like in the middle of like walking through a bunch of people and they can look at their tongue and they see, hey, my tongue's a little bit red at the tip. A good question that you can ask yourself is, is there anything agitating my heart or anything that feels a little bit unsettled? So to wrap it around to that other question related to like, maybe what are some of the things that he was seeing at the time? A guess that I could say from reflecting on that time period would be that my spirit wasn't anchored. So that my spirit was unsettled. There wasn't a sense of grounding there. I could have also been blood deficient and blood deficient is different from like anemia from the conventional sense because our blood is what in Chinese medicine, it's a part of what houses the emotions. So again, coming back to our mental and emotional body, right? So we have specific Chinese herbal formulas that in the description from the classical text, they have the functions of anchoring and settling the spirit, essentially helping someone to come back into their self right mm. so i think that answers both right <laughs> yeah so so i'm gonna a lot of questions what are some immediate practices that if someone's listening to this and they're like wow that really is mm. like calling to me this idea like i feel ungrounded or unsettled in my spirit what what are like some classic things that people can just start doing immediately to start attempting to to ground and settle um that Awesome. Awesome question. So a couple of things here. This starts with the first part of the physician's oath from the Chinese medicine version of that physician's oath, where part of that is to live in harmony with nature and teach our patients to do the same. So even the word ungrounded kind of has a clue, right? How can we help ourselves ground? So two ways to go about this would be, hey, if you do have accessibility to actually ground on earth and be in a place where you can get your hands, your feet, as much as your body as comfortable as possible on the earth to actually attune to that frequency, you'll notice the physiological and the psychological shifts, maybe feeling more grounded, feeling more centered in harmony and in balance. The other thing would be maybe someone's moving a lot of fucking energy as well. And standing on the ground just doesn't feel like it would be helpful, which is something to acknowledge. Maybe for them, the best thing that they could do is actually move the energy. Qigong shaking can be so helpful for this. And whatever's accessible for you in your particular body, maybe it's just shaking your hands and doing that for the practice that I was taught was minimum three minutes, minimum three minutes, and you'll feel the change moving as much as your body as you can to really give the energy a chance to be channeled instead of be stuck and suppressed where later on it becomes emotional baggage kind of thing. If the energy is really moving through you. We are powerful beings and we have this kind of tiny body to channel all this energy in so how can we help it move through the body if someone is feeling ungrounded unsettled if you mm. don't want to shake in one place maybe it's like actually moving it doesn't have to be like throwing around heavy weights all the time it can be taking a walk to help yourself and inform even your mind that i'm moving forward from where i am to where i want to be does that make sense yeah absolutely so when you 
mentioned your your old self when you went to go see this acupuncturist before you had that burnout and you woke up in the hospital you were a regular worker outer and a coach so you were clearly and living in san, san diego so lots of walking most likely lots of movement right mm -hmm. and then you said you kind of stopped when you went through this burnout phase and started getting back into to sleeping more and all of that and then when he saw you one of one of the questions they ask is like uh he asked you was oh, do you feel like the need to work out a lot at like higher intensities? Mm -hmm. I'm presuming your answer was yes. And I'm also, because of what you just said, presuming part of that reason is because you might have a lot of energy moving through you on a regular basis, which might have been when you were a teenager, when you were an emo girl, maybe that energy <laughs> was there and you didn't really know how to deal with that much energy. So you suppressed it. And in suppressing it, you suppressed lots of things. Mm-hmm. And then as he, as all this kind of developed and you got into sport and all of that stuff, it like helped, mm -hmm. but then all that energy came blasting out and you didn't know how to like contain it or ground it. And mm -hmm. that's why you were sleeping two hours and then eventually collapsed. And you're like, okay, tiny human body, a lot more <laughs> energy than the human body can, can deal with comfortably. So now you're like trying to figure out how do I live in harmony with all of this amazing energy and this human body that needs to be taken care of and and is not uh, bodyless, right? Where I think that energy a lot of times is without a body and it, it wants to come through, but then you're like, oh, I'm human. I'm still, I'm human right now. So mm -hmm. can you chill? Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the ongoing lesson of working, uh, like becoming an ally with our body versus against it or like no you listen to me kind of thing because what if it could be a back and forth conversation over and over again it's not so much like mastering the body or mastering the mind but what if it could be a sense of like hey let's collab <laughs> let's become allies <laughs> like arm in arm kind of thing versus like hey i'm the boss here you listen to me <laughs> So what does that feel like if someone's watching, listening right now, and they're like, okay, this is interesting, like this groundedness, ungroundedness, like feeling like I'm collaborating with my body versus not like, how can someone like right now listening mm -hmm. be like, okay, I, I, I hear the words, but I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't been through those experiences. How can I tell my level of groundedness or my level of like, am I suppressing? Like, how do I know if that's the case or if there's like something else going on? It might sound simple. However, what you can do is ask yourself. Sometimes the journey of self-discovery and contemplation starts with starting that conversation with yourself. And a question that if any of my clients listen to this, they'll recognize is, I know you don't know consciously, but if you didn't know, what would you say? And so usually that specific question helps to loosen the boundaries of what we think we know or we don't know. Because as one of my mentors, Dr. Matt James would say, whatever you think you are, you are more than that. So then I have some friends where I know if I were to tell them that, they would immediately go, oh, as soon as I open up that line of conversation, it's mm -hmm. just a, it's an argument and it's this huge battle and everything is wrong and everything is bad. And it's just too, it's too much to deal with. Um, 
if if that's the case for someone that's watching or listening, what's like, yeah. so we open up that conversation and then where, where do they go from there? If it's like, it's just a, a storm or like a disaster in their head and in their heart. That's a really great question and brings up an important point. If you can imagine, say, if you have a cup of water or a cup of coffee and the difference when the cup is full, we'll go with coffee. Coffee is great. We love coffee. The cup is full of coffee, right? And so if you were to take some more coffee and pour it into the cup, it would overflow. So if that person that you're talking to, the one that might default to more arguments or more like, hey, no, like I'm not actually, I don't feel like I would have the right answers because I always do everything wrong and life is always happening to me kind of thing. You can imagine that they're that full cup of coffee and whatever you are attempting to pour into them to help them to discover, they're going to overflow. They're going to just bust kind of thing. So maybe a pre-frame or a prerequisite to that kind of conversation could be something like, hey, is this a good space or is this a good time or are you in the like kind of right space to reflect or to have a deeper conversation about something that blank, blank, blank. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if this is a conversation that's happening with themselves mm -hmm. because they're listening to this, what, what can they do there if it immediately goes like south for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that comes to mind is to meet yourself where you're at, meet yourself where you're at. I'm sending so much love to my like emo girl back in the day. So maybe it means putting the thoughts on paper. That was so helpful in where I was and still where I am today, where it can be so helpful to get stuff out of here and stuff onto paper so that you actually create space up here. Kind of like drinking a little bit of the coffee or pouring out a little bit of the, of the coffee to create space for the new to come in. Because oftentimes if we are so full, we are at capacity, we're at capacity. How do we empty out? So it's going to be one of the first things to check in with before I wouldn't say diving into too much change work, either with oneself or with others. Is there space for that? If not, how can I create that? Is that going to look like journaling? Is it going to be like intuitive movement, whether through walking, the shaking, hitting a fucking pinata as well? I actually asked a client to do consider doing that. I didn't tell her to do it. I asked her to consider doing that based on something that she was sharing in the moment related to like so much energy, some frustration. I was like, get a fucking pinata, have a party for yourself, like make it fun. Like how good might it feel to like smack something and also like move the energy. So making sure that there is space, if not, how can you create that space? Wow. Beautiful. Thank you for all of that. And yeah, I was funny. I was going to summarize it and then you did. Hmm. It was just wonderful. <laughs> Here, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. And then I have a, a whole nother line of questions. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited.
So excited. So excited. Okay. So we just talked about being able to move energy through the body and kind of like recognize whether we're suppressing or whether we just have like a lot that's coming through. And we've gone through some stories of how to deal with both sides of that. So I think it's a really nice, even conversation at the moment and helpful for people. Can we kind of go through one by one and talk about like these big um, channels? So you brought up like the lung channel as an example, right? Mm -hmm. What does it look like when someone's lung channel is really closed? What is that mm -hmm. like the, what does that do in their life and how does that express? So if someone's watching and they're like, if we can just make like a quick map of the various organs and what that could look like or feel like. Totally. So with the lung channel specifically, it's a really cool channel because it actually starts in our, what we call the middle jowl in Chinese medicine. So it actually starts right below the diaphragm in the intestines and then goes through that. Yep. Awesome. Comes through that and it goes all the way down to our thumb. So this is, if you can imagine our lung channel, this is great that we're on video. If you can imagine the lung channel, that is it. So if someone's lung channel is a little bit more deficient, they are, the channel is not going to be as open, right? The posture is not going to be as upright as open. So they're going to be a little bit more in this slouch position here. One might say they are not breathing in as optimally. You already know this, I'm sure. To breathe in is to inspire. So from a mental, emotional perspective, you can imagine that they are a little bit low on the inspiration as well. They're not breathing in as much as the outside world as they maybe want to or could. So they're going to be a little bit more in this hunched over position and even protecting their heart a little bit more as well. The lungs are related to grief in Chinese medicine. So it's going to be the organ system that processes grief. And if there's any unprocessed grief, it might be what is weighing down that kind of posture or that person in and of themselves. So that's going to be the lung system. And it's not to say everyone who is in that position has a lung chi deficiency is just one of the things that we might ask about as a doctor of Chinese medicine or acupuncturist. Say, like, hey, how's uh, how's grief occurring in your life? Is there anything there specifically? How are you breathing throughout the day? Do you have any shortness of breath, any kind of sleep apnea patterns, etc.? The other meridians, we've got 11 different ones. Do you want to go through them all? Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> So a cool way to describe them is going to be the six meridian pairs. So lungs are going to be connected to the spleen. So each one has like an upper body and then a lower body friend. They're like paired together. So the upper body of the lungs is going to be paired with the spleen on the lower body. Spleen is going to be more on the inner part of our legs. And spleen is going to be related to our intellect, actually. We call it mm -hmm. yi. So Y-I in Chinese medicine which is a big reason why whenever I think of brain fog, I'm thinking about spleen, digestive, and gut health kind of stuff because of how it's related to our yi and our intellect. From a biomedicine perspective, we can think about how our gut health, like if you have leaky gut, plays a role in our cognition, our mental focus, concentration, etc. So that's going to be the lung and spleen. Large intestine is going to be paired with the stomach. This is the Yang Ming pair. 
and this is the most abundant in chi and blood. So large intestine is going to be second finger, and it's going to go along the arm as well. I also think of large intestine related to any kind of shoulder issues as well. And any kind of, um, we think of, or in my practice and from what I've learned as well, skin things are also going to be related to lungs and large intestine. So that's a cool way that Chinese medicine is timeless, where we think of skin mm -hmm. related to the lungs. We think of large intestine and lungs being a part of the mental element. So when we think of skin things, we're also thinking about our digestion too. How are we breathing in any toxins around us, the environment, etc. How are we releasing the things that we are taking in, either consuming, breathing in, etc. Um, that's where those bowel movements are going to be oh so important for skin health, making sure you have at least one a day. And look like you had a question. <laughs> Many questions that are popping up, but for one, so we related, uh, so there's the, the lung channel, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was the spleen channel, which is primarily the inside of the thighs, you said. Yeah, and then... so it's going to go all the way down. Yeah, I'll have to send a photo for you or oh, something. Oh, cool. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could put it up for people on the interview. And then um, and then now we're at the large intestine channel. So large right? intestine, they all, if we think about the six division pairs, it's a way to describe the channels in a way that pairs an arm channel with a leg channel. So the arm of large intestine is going to be paired with the leg of the stomach channel. Stomach channel is going to run down the midline. There's actually stomach points on the face as well. So we have stomach points on this face and we it goes down the front of the body and then it's going to go down actually the side, the lateral. So lateral is going to be on the more so outside of the body lateral side of like the tibia all the way down to your toes in that way so that's where one of those really cool points along the shin is stomach 38 stomach 38 is going to be treating your shoulder so a really cool mm -hmm. point for your shoulder so when you're working out or you're working with a client who's exercising and they consistently have a weakness or an mm -hmm. imbalance I'm assuming you're immediately translating this to like acupuncture meridian terms and being like, oh, let me just ask some questions or or check the energy in that area. Also, do you see things like the matrix? Are you like seeing things like Naruto <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can like see someone's energy flow? Is that a real thing for you? Not yet always. We'll put it that way. Not yet always. And Something to emphasize here that could be really important is that when something happens, whether it's a reoccurring, we'll say weakness, injury, etc., and I'm sure you could speak to this as well with your experience, is that it's never so much always one incident, but maybe the incident is the last straw kind of thing. So yes, I'm thinking about where the ache pain complaint is. And I'm also thinking thinking of everything else that's related to that. Like we mentioned, okay, digestion, um, how might that be related if it's the shin and this specific point is on the stomach channel, is on the spleen channel, the liver channel, etc. And so from the conventional side, how's the liver doing or how's stomach doing, etc. And then you want to think. If it is an actual knee thing or a shin thing, 
above and below that area. Think of the ankles, think of the knees, and then, then, and then think of how that's mirrored on the other side of the body as well. If I'm thinking of the knees, I'm also thinking of the elbows. If I'm thinking of the ankles, I'm thinking of the wrists, that kind of thing. And I learned a ton of this actually from my partner who is a certified personal trainer and has additional training in posture restoration and gait analysis. So while much of my experience and focus has been, I would say in the mental and emotional aspect of health and wellness, I've learned a ton and have been able to integrate some of what our conversations have been about in regards to orthopedics, in regards to the physical like um, part of health and wellness from him. And so yes to the answer of like, yes, all these things are running through my head. And we actually collab with each other for addressing those specific kind of cases related to chronic back pain, um, recurring knee aches, et cetera, so that we are addressing everything on a physical, mental, emotional, and maybe even energetic or spiritual level. Wow. Okay. So let's pick up. So we had, uh, so far we've done lung, spleen, large intestine, stomach. Awesome. Great memory. And then we've got pericardium. Pericardium is the gatekeeper to the heart. The heart element or the, not the heart element, the fire element has four different organ systems. Pericardium is one of those. So pericardium is going to be related to your middle finger actually. And it's gonna start in the armpit. It's gonna start in the armpit and then go down more so like on the inside of the arms all the way through to the middle finger. So that's the pericardium. That's the arm channel on the Yangming pairs. That's going to be paired with your liver. So your liver is going to be more so on the inside of your leg as well, alongside the spleen channel. So that's going to be one of the yin um, channels and organ systems. So pericardium and liver are going to be paired there. Now, what shows up for those two in day-to-day life if they're restricted or the energy is not flowing as well? Yeah. So liver chi stagnation is something that tends to be a common phrase amongst doctors of Chinese medicine and acupuncturists, because what we are thinking or what we are seeing when it comes to liver chi stagnation is a suppression of emotions. So that might mean like frustration. It might mean like anger that has not been expressed. Um, that kind of thing. So I would say, unfortunately, in today's day and age, it tends to be more common than it is not. So when it comes to the stuckness related to the liver channel, that is a big one. I like to say, keep your liver chi flowing, whatever that looks like. Many times it is movement. Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's hitting a pinata, whatever it looks like. Keep that liver chi moving. And with the perigardium specifically, it might get stuck related to things that would be equated to overjoy and overjoy could be translated or could be related to like too much quote unquote too much of the good stuff where you're so in the joy you're so in the joy that maybe you forget to pay your bills you forget to close and lock your car on the way out um, or put the parking brake on. Like you're so, you actually get distracted from the present moment, if that makes sense. Mm, Okay. Okay. And then what do we do 
to clean that. So you said like with the liver, just keep expressing, especially frustration and anger, but just keep expressing, you know, to the best of your ability in a, in a healthy way. What's the pericardium version of that? Pericardium version of that. So the energetics of the gatekeeper, right? The gatekeeper to the heart. Is there a chance that you can ask yourself, where am I being too closed off in my life? Where am I still hiding either from myself or from others? Is there something that needs to come through from my heart that isn't being uh, channeled or being expressed in a way that is resonant for me and what I need to essentially evolve into that next level of who I desire to be? Wow, beautiful. And I'm not sure if we covered that for the stomach. What was the, yeah, what can we do to keep that clean as far as like just in our day-to-day life? Yeah. So with the stomach, it's going to be from a tangible perspective, eating foods that resonate and support your desired experience. There are plethoras of diets out there, plethora. And what works for you is going to be what works for you. Maybe it's not going to work for everyone, but it's going to be what works for you. And you'll know it too. I trust that you'll know it. So with the stomach at a tangible level, it's going to be related to foods and what we are consuming. From a more so energetic perspective, the stomach is responsible for ripening and rotting our foods. So what that means is actual digestion. Are we digesting the lessons of life that are present for us? That's again, does that look like contemplation on paper, contemplation on a walk? or through conversation with a friend? Where can you help yourself to digest the lessons of life so that hopefully they're not um, repeating in a way that would be unfavorable as well? Wow, and then what about the large intestine? Large intestine, so large intestine is going to be related to kind of like the lungs. With it being comprised of the metal element, how are we addressing anything related to unresolved grief, specifically what do we need to let go of? The large intestine is related to letting go. So that might look like the tangible, I got to clean my closet. You know, this doesn't resonate with me anymore. Marie Kondo doesn't spark joy. Let me let this go. It might also mean checking in with colon health, with the large intestine kind of health. How are bowel movements? Are they once a day at least? Am I releasing what I am consuming? So it is a cyclical nature of breathing in and letting go, not only of the tangible, but also the intangible as well. And that would be true for the spleen and lung as well, because you said they were in that metal element? Yeah, so they are connected via the six division pairs. So the lungs and the large intestine, that's the metal element. The spleen is actually a part of the earth element. That's uh, the yin and yang pair of spleen and stomach. Those are the that comprises of the earth element. So thinking about digestion, yes, of the tangible and also the intangible, the lessons of life. Beautiful. Okay. So then moving on past the pericardium, what's next? So we've got heart, right? So the heart is going to be our arm um, channel. So that's going to be our arm channel. And that's going to run. Actually, a cool thing is that the heart and the small intestine, they're going to run on our pinky down around the like elbow area and down through the shoulder area as well. So with the heart and the small intestine, those energetically are going to be related to 
discerning the pure versus the impure from the small intestine perspective. And that can mean listening to what does and doesn't resonate for you. Listening to that whisper, as Dr. Mikio would say, the heart, that's the emperor or the empress. It's the, it's really the organ system that influences every other system. And while each of these other organ systems can feel grief, anger, uh, fear, sadness, etc., it's the heart that really processes them. So if you can imagine the emotion moving through first, maybe the liver, and then it's going to get to the heart to process it all. So the heart's really the emperor, the empress, the one that runs the show kind of thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful. And that was two together, right? The small intestine and the heart were seven and eight? Yes, um, seven and eight. Yeah, you're great on the memory part. So with the leg channels that we are missing, we are missing gallbladder and we are missing kidneys. So small intestine is going to be related to our um, kidney channel. So this is the kidney channel where it starts at the bottom of our feet. This is why grounding feels so good. The kidney one, kidney one point is going to be midway, we'll say not midway, but three-fourths, two-thirds of the way on the bottom of the foot, kind of like at the middle of the ball of the foot, if that makes sense as a description. Mm -hmm. So when you get kidney one on the earth, it's going to help with the grounding. The kidney channel is yin and yang pair to the bladder. Um, This is the urinary bladder. So this is the water element related to fear. And this is where I'm thinking from an energetic perspective, where is someone maybe on the spectrum of the water element? Are they relating to fear in a way that fuels them that is in a healthy way? Kind of like, oh, cool. This is another rabbit hole or a place to like spiral up into where I can learn more about myself and what maybe I can evolve into or through kind of thing. And I feel like I was going on a tangent there. So we've got the urinary bladder, the kidneys, and the kidney. Gallbladder. Gallbladder. Oh, so this is a super cool one. So this is a super cool one to talk about in relation to the contemplation and self-reflection idea and conversation. The gallbladder, when it's deficient, when it's not in optimal flow, it's going to be related to indecision. It's going to manifest as indecision. So actually, I got a um, I got to be an acupuncture patient yesterday, receiving a treatment, and I noticed that my acupuncturist, he's a friend of mine, he used gallbladder thirty nine, which is a point that I'll use that actually can help with a listening or helping someone tap into more courage, courage to make a decision, um, courage to listen to what they intuit intuitively know as true so gallbladder when deficient it's going to manifest more so as indecision on the big things especially the big things and for some people the little things i will say as well so that's going to be i think all of the leg pairs and then all of the do we miss any of them can you tell there's 11 right now there's 11 we are missing one so the san gel so the san gel Definitely not a name that comes across in normal conversations. It can be also translated as the triple burner. And the reason why it is unique is because it's not so much 
tangible within the body. It's going to be related to connective tissue for some acupuncturists and doctors of Chinese medicine, where it's the connector on an energetic perspective. It's going to be touching every other organ system. So energetically, you can think of tapping into this organ system. Where can I connect to my community or where can I connect deeper into and with myself kind of thing to help restore coherence for the heart, restore coherence for myself, because this is going to be an organ system related to the fire element. The fire element's a little bit different from the other ones, where every other element, earth, metal, water, and wood, they have two organ systems. They have one yin and yang pair. The fire element is going to be a little bit more complex, where it has two pairs of yin and yang organ systems. So the sand gel, the heart, the small intestine, and the pericardium. So a teacher of mine said that's why matters in the heart are so complicated. We've got four mm -hmm. different organ systems in there. And what's cool is that there are also four different ways to restore that coherence as well. So thinking about those energetics, thinking about with the sand gel, where can I reconnect to my community? How can I maybe curate my community so that it is a space that I feel like I can be myself, um, be all of myself and be in a better version of myself kind of thing. Wow. Thank you so much for that extremely detailed breakdown. <laughs> and now um, I'm going to write all that down. I know you have some like cool graphics and stuff that I've saved over the years, kind awesome. of explaining some of these things in like a more basic way. But um, my question now is, from an acupuncture perspective, what are acupuncturists doing to affect these things? So we talked about how we can like help them stay clean. Of course, like if we were thinking about all 12 of those things and all of the emotional things where there's going to be hiccups, right? So what is an acupuncturist actually doing? Yeah, this is a great question. And I'll preface this by saying, depending on which acupuncturist you talk to, we might say slightly different versions of the same thing. So my way that I can describe it is that we utilize these needles, these tools to literally tap into the nervous system to cause different neurotransmitters and different neurochemicals or different chemicals within the body to modulate the body into more of a parasympathetic state so that healing can actually occur. So if you can imagine the difference of existing in more of a sympathetic fight or flight or freeze kind of state, it's the state that's, it's great. It's not anything to necessarily demonize in any way. However, it's the living the balance of yin and yang. Whereas sympathetic, that fight or flight is going to be a little bit more yang, a little bit more moving. And that yin state, that more parasympathetic state that you get to experience through acupuncture specifically is that rest and digest so that the actual healing could occur so that you feel safe enough at a biochemical level at a physiological level to fall asleep on the table it's a common occurrence and yes the treatment still works when you fall asleep yeah so the way that i am visualizing it with what you're saying and, and what i've learned over the years and and i've been treated by you was there's 
always electricity moving through your body. It's the only reason like we can move and we can think and we can do things, right? Electricity has to cause that to happen. And it has to move through these these channels. And a lot of that is water and, and various minerals spread throughout our body. And when an acupuncturist is putting a little piece of metal in of various types of metal I've learned over the years, and they all could have slightly different principles, like a golden needle versus mm -hmm. some other needles, right? And then like how deep it goes, all these interesting things is, I kind of think of it as like putting little dams in mm. or little lightning rods in to help attract or repel energies down certain channels at very specific points mm. so that they can sort of figure out like, okay, where is the energy moving and not moving? And then how can I help redirect it so that it becomes a more natural flow of that energy? And that's why it's like a certain length of time for some needles and some are, it's like, seems very, very doctor, very doctor <laughs> situation going on with the complications there. But to my knowledge, that's what's happening. Um, in that whole thing while they're usually like almost doing sometimes therapy at the same time because they now that i've done this interview they understand probably a lot more about you than you think they do <laughs> based on where these energy channels are and and their intake of it seems like simple whatever questions but now everyone watching is like wow it is quite the process that's incredible so then my question now is what are you and I, I know this is probably an evolving answer, but what are you stepping into now mm. that like, how, how has this evolved for you and what are you doing now for clients? Yeah. Big question here. So this has evolved for me in a really fun and exciting way in a very fulfilling way. I would add where in this last year, it was actually this, this last summer in 2021, I finally had the opportunity to complete my master's certification in NLP, mental emotional release, and hypnotherapy. For me, this was my last puzzle piece, my last puzzle piece that I needed to truly offer the kind of experience that I didn't know that I desired at that time of burnout, at that pivotal time of my like initial wake up. And I say that to mean that I now have the privilege of offering, of facilitating tools that really work with someone at the subconscious or the unconscious level to help them to gain access to the root cause pattern of their symptoms, their patterns at the mental and emotional level so that while we are working already with Chinese medicine and this beautiful system, this lens of reality that we get to offer as doctors of acupuncture, where we can facilitate change for the physiological root cause patterns with NLP and mental emotional release and hypnotherapy as well. We're addressing that at a psychological level now. How can we help someone access that root cause pattern at a unconscious level so that truly someone can help themselves create the space create the opportunity for their bodies to really calibrate or connect to their new mind so it's working tangibly with the body and intangibly with their value systems their beliefs and their thoughts because yes we could say all the affirmations and all that kind of 
great fluffy shiny bright kind of stuff and unless we change the internal programming that perpetuates the beliefs that perpetuate the thoughts then we'll continue the same kind of pattern kind of like what we were chatting about before at the beginning of this interview so one of the biggest things that i am super passionate about and a way that i feel very grateful to work with clients is that we do really break down and look into the self-identification process because it's not so much only what you do that heals you or that is so prominent in the healing journey it's who you become because what you believe about your capacity to heal to get to that next level to embody that next level of health and what that expresses like for you in particular is entirely dependent entirely that's a big word is largely dependent on how you perceive yourself your capabilities and what is and is not possible for you so if someone believes that like i'm stuck with this forever i could do all the treatments i could give you all the supplements however if that's your programming and that's what you believe is possible there's nothing that I can do to change that. I can help you and offer tools to loosen the boundaries of that belief and maybe change it. But until you do and step through that door, you're still within that same room of confinement, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So you're, it's, it's really fascinating now to put together this picture of your life's journey and why everything happened the way it did, right? And I, I hope other people are reflecting on their own life in this process of hearing yours and how this has evolved, where it was emo Chloe with the, the kind of summary I mentioned before, like suppressing all this really intense energy and then starting to find outlets for that energy. And that felt really good to like allow that energy to move out through lacrosse, through becoming a leader, and then going into college and being able to take on more and more and more and being like, oh, I could just, I could take on everything. I could just do, you know, uh, so much more than, you know, most other people are capable of because of all this energy that I have to where you trained yourself to sleep for two or three hours to the point where your body is like, yeah, no, can't do that. And then you're like, okay, well, why? And you see this guy and he's like, oh, there is like so much energy flow, but it's having to redirect in all these crazy ways so that you can do all of these things. And at the same time, what you would realize now, right, is there were all these belief patterns and thoughts that have been baked into you about what you should be like and what you should be doing with your time and how you should be advancing and evolving and growing maybe a lot faster. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard because I always say, like, you can't skip steps. Mm -hmm. You've got to kind of go through the steps. And that's so frustrating at times is you're like, no. No, it's always the same process. It really is. Like the steps are always the same. Um, How that expresses can be a little bit different. But when you try to skip steps, like that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's part of our our whole like 3D physical reality experience that we all go through, right? So then you're like, oh, there's all these programmed beliefs that you were running on at that time, right? And Mm -hmm. so you can start to kind of unwind these, which is what you said um, would have been so helpful. And there was probably elements of that people were showing up and helping. But now with Mm -hmm. what you're capable of, you're like, let me just like, yes, all of this acupuncture and all of these energy channels and all the things that we we talked about of like how to keep those energies flowing and the shaking and allowing energy to pass and the grounding and allowing it to go in right and drinking the water and processing the emotions and finding the foods that work for you and all the Chinese herbs and that's all beautiful and 
the deepest level of these things. Well, there's, there's maybe one level deeper we can get into, but the deepest level on a 3d perspective is like, mm-hmm. where did the habits begin that mm-hmm. led you to this point? Mm-hmm. Right. Where did the beliefs begin and how can we, how can we like unwrap the string that's been tied through your life that, that made it so of course this was going to happen to you and of course you were going to make these decisions and of course Mm -hmm. it's tough for you to make good food decisions because of this belief right you can kind of unwrap that and then decide together how you want that new bow to look and what type of knot you want to tie in your Mm -hmm. life and how you want that path to look so that you can like skip over probably a thousand sessions of acupuncture (laughs) and just rewrap this entirely new reality for someone and be maybe cleaning up all of that at the same time, right? With the acupuncture and the herbs and the movement and all the things we've been discussing that you do. Mm-hmm. So then the the question is, is there a layer deeper than that? And mm-hmm. do you talk about that with people if there is a layer deeper yet? There definitely is. And we might have to do a part two to that one because <laughs> I'm noticing the time and I do have actually a client um, later on today. Fridays are my days in the office. Otherwise, I'm I'm here on Zoom um, virtually with clients. And uh, that deepest level programming, that deepest level of unconscious programming is actually our value system. So there's a lot of work. If you get into like spiral dynamics, for example, they talk a lot about this and values are critical because like we alluded to before our values create our beliefs which create our thoughts which create our mindset and that mindset informs our behavior so if we want to go all the way back to our values these are shaped especially between the ages of zero and seven i believe my mentor mentions that by age three, 95% of who we are is programmed at the unconscious level. So this is really thinking about our values. They're going to drive our behavior and determine what we do with our time and how we evaluate the time we have spent. So a lot of the work that I do with clients, we actually spend a good chunk of our time together on eliciting their values at an unconscious level. So what kind of operating system are we working with? And then based on their desired results, do we need to adjust any part of this value system? So this might mean adjusting what the value, what the label means to them. It might mean changing the hierarchy. So the order of these values will never change number one. Number one is like, you don't really want to change that because if you can imagine like moving the big, like, you know, Jenga and that's that one block you don't want to pull. That's the number one value. We're not going to change that. We can adjust definitely three, four, and five, which are going to be the biggest drivers to their behavior. So if you want different results, you want to change behavior. How do you change behavior? You could do it consciously. And you want to make sure that for, I would say, true empowerment embodied, you want to make sure that you are working with creating partnership and collabing with not only conscious mind but also conscious mind and even your higher self whatever that means to you whether that's your connection to a bigger source power etc whatever that means to you how can you connect all three in your work for yourself and with yourself does that make Mm. sense oh definitely a part two and 
I'm going to throw a grenade in real quick and then <laughs> you don't have to answer this, but let me just throw this grenade in just to kind of <laughs> okay. give a little cliffhanger for part two. How much of people in your experience of them through all of this incredible work that we've just dove through, how much of us is there no matter what experiences we have from zero to three? How much of of us is formed before we're we're even cultured in like how much of that is nature versus nurture mm, so again you don't have to answer that fully right now from what i've learned from cognitive psychology 95 percent of who we are is shaped within those first three years of our living. And that's from what we witness from parents, from religion, from schools, from society, from the media, everything around us. Because from my understanding, that's when we are still in that theta brainwave state. Theta brainwave state is great, for example, in the here and now for people who have like, we'll say gotten out of the zero to three years of age it's a great state to tap into anytime you're doing any kind of reinvention work so when you're tapping into that meditation or that hypnosis track that you are um, really excited to think about that next level self theta is where you want to do it you want to tap into theta so that you get to recreate this internal representation or this picture in your mind of who you are and who you are becoming so wrapping it around to how much of who you are um, shaped by that time period in your life, it's also important to emphasize that it's not, it's kind of like our genes, our genetics. It's not a, a statement. It's more so a blueprint offering a chance for you to create a whatever kind of home you want to create from that blueprint to reshape, redesign, and reprogram whatever you need to, to then therefore create the results that you desire. Wonderful. Beautiful. Okay. So part two, I'm going to dive real <laughs> deep on that. So when people listen to this and watch this and they're like, oh my gosh, I love this, this Chloe Banyalas person, mm -hmm. where do they go to learn more? Where do they go to like, just dive really deep into your universe? Yeah, please say hi on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. Stories are really fun. You'll probably see a sunset or two and a reminder to get outside. Um, send me a message there. I love connecting on social media because that's actually what was made for, right? Being social. And so social media, Instagram specifically, is the best place to find me. And I'll put it in the show notes, but what's the handle for people listening? Yeah, it's Hom, my middle name. That's C-H-L-O-E-H-O-M. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, honestly, it was an honor to like just mm -hmm. extract all of this goodness out of you. And I had no idea. I never know how long these are going to go, but now I'm like, oh, I need another hour and a half at least. <laughs> to like dig through the rest of my questions and stuff. But it's just an honor to get the opportunity to ask you all these questions and to get all this information. And you're just such a radiant soul. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited that um, I have the honor of like knowing you and, and getting this information. So just thank you for giving the time and contributing to everybody's life. Thank you so much for allowing me to contribute to your vision. 
absolutely lit up and inspired by the way that you fulfill your purpose and that you get to be a way shower and a light bearer for what is possible for so many of us. So thank you for being who you are, Skip. Excited to be here.